1: Welcome to That's Truth. It's a pleasure to have you joining us here on the program tonight, another Tuesday night, where we are here to bring you some truths from God's Word that I trust that will help you in your Christian walk and in your service to the Lord. We have some very important topics to uh, cover tonight. It's dating, courtship, and marriage. I don't know if we'll be able to get through all of them, but we'll be um, starting with Dating and courtship, I do trust that as a family you would get your young girls or boys parents. The, you can get some good principles that will help you to help your children when the time comes for them to get married and also adults as well. So we do trust that you will stay with us for the entire program. A very pleasant good evening to you, Pastor Murphy.
2: Good evening, sir. I hope we get some good interaction with the audience, and I hope that we can provide some answers to the questions that they may ask.
1: Let's um, get right into the program tonight. And I have a question here for you about dating. Could you um, define dating for us, please? There's no one suitable uh, definition for dating. Um, I think if you can check the dictionary or read
2: some books on it. My own view on dating is very basic. I consider it to be a cultural custom or practice that's designed to bring uh, two people of the opposite sex together so that they can get to know each other, interact with each other, with a view to forging a friendship, and assessing whether or not there's a possible possibility for a more serious relationship. So I think that's, in essence, what I consider to be um, dating.
1: Okay, as we continue, the question is, when should one consider um, beginning to date? Uh, when it comes to the whole matter of um, defining when a person
2: should start to date, um, I think one needs to be aware that uh, chronological age is sel- seldom a reliable factor or indicator of whether or mo- not a person is ready or suitable for dating. Uh, in my judgment, I think it more relies, depends on the person's spiritual, emotional, and social development. Um, so I don't think age is a defining factor. I think it has to do more with the maturity. Of the person uh, whether or not the person can handle the decisions that have to be made in dating whether or not they can face the, the dangers that will confront them and uh, what about the disappointments that often come with dating can they handle that emotionally and socially um, so I, I, I don't think you can set a particular age when dating should begin I think that is more something to be decided between the the child and the parent uh, the parent knows the child better than most people do. They know the maturity of the child. They've been observing the child. They know whether or not the per- child can be trusted. Um, know whether or not they've got future goals, objectives. Uh, I think the parent and the child basically should be the person to decide at what age that child should begin dating.
1: Um, I think we have to be um, careful here, Pastor Murphy. When you're talking about a trial, you have define a child at what age?
2: Okay. Well, I'm using the word ch- child in a generic t- way. I- I'm not... Uh, I would say that um, we're talking about people in their teenage years. That's what I'm talking about. I don't think a uh, individual that is uh, preteen uh, is really ready for dating. I really think that this is a matter that belongs to the teenage years and older than that. So that's what I mean. But I'm using the term "child" in a more generic term. So my apologies if anybody think I'm referring to somebody who's like 13 or 14. I'm not referring to that age group.
1: Well, you know, in some cultures, they have small children, being uh, married, and so forth. So we have to be very careful.
2: <laughs> well, thank God we're not Muslims, are, don't we? Uh, Where somebody can uh, actually prearrange a, a marriage. Uh, the child has no say in it. And then um, I don't think in the Western world and with the Christian culture, with our liberty and our freedom that we enjoy, I don't think any of us would like uh, another person imposed upon us that we don't have any choice to make. So, in a good, this is in a good sense, uh, as far as I'm concerned, within the Western world, there are limits to when we can marry. Um, even in terms of, um, I think the age of consent has now gone up to 16. There are other countries where 14 is, 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 is you know, other Muslim countries, for example, it's not uncommon for, for, for children and, uh, and a much lower age to be engaged in those matters. So, I'm very thankful in the Western world uh, that we've gone beyond that.
1: Pastor Murphy, is there a a distinction between dating and courtship?
2: Yeah, dating is, uh, as I pointed out to you in the introduction, it's more trying to get to know a person, to to create a friendship, and um, the the ultimate view is to try to evaluate whether or not a more serious relationship will follow. But uh, I see dating more as an uh, opportunity, a social opportunity for people to interact with each other, to get to know about each other, uh, discover uh, about people's character, their personalities, uh, learn about their needs, and also uh, assess um, how they think, how they value it matters, what standards they hold. Um, So I I see uh, courtship as something far uh, at a much higher level than that, maybe stage two or stage three. This is where a person, after going through a process of dating, has now been able to identify that this person is a suitable mate in the future, and that leads them to a a more serious level of dating, and uh, it involves a lot more time and effort. And and, um, so when it comes to courtship, courtship, entails more with a view toward looking to a partner for marriage. Um, dating basically is getting to know a person and trying to assess the character and the personality. And out of that, one can decide whether or not um, they'll proceed with a, a courtship. Thank you. I would like to just interject here, uh, my brother. Uh, we've gotten away from a lot of things in, in the Caribbean. Uh, when I first started dating, um, I had to go to the girl's home and we could qu- tell her dad that i was interested in his daughter and i wanted to know if he would give me permission to date her uh i just she wouldn't date me until i spoken to her parents i think that um if we could come back to the, some of the old uh godly traditions of that nature i think it would make a real radical change in the way that our social system was broken down Uh, But I do think it's important for parents uh, to give permission and to get to know the person uh, that the daughter or son is dating. And I think that the child should respect the parent in such a way that they should bring the information to the parent and make that request uh, in connection with these matters.
1: So in your time, you had to get the consent from the father, especially the parents, for you to date or quote um, their daughter.
2: Yeah. And uh, I thought it was a good practice. I still think it's a good practice. It it, it kept me in check, and uh, it made me respect the parents. It made me respect the young lady I was taking out as well. And um, when, you know, respect is so vital. When that breaks down, uh, it opens the door to so many other areas where we lose um, um, our concern for people. So I do think it's important for this to take place.
1: How do you maintain sexual purity during dating?
2: One of the biggest problems uh, during the dating process is that you are virtually, as you get to see each other more and you're um, sometimes in an environment where there may not be many people and depending on where you go and uh, the time you spend together, just remember that in dating you're not moving apart, you're moving towards each other. And uh, the more you date and the the, the more frequently you see each other, and depending on the places you go, you're moving in a direction where uh, she's moving in your direction, you're moving in her direction. And until you're able to, uh, unless you're able to maintain some kind of a line of demarcation, uh, where you draw a line as to how far a person can go, uh, the temptation is very, very real. That especially in our day, where people are turbocharged sexually, through the media, uh, through the television, through the uh, the internet, etc., um, it is we are faced with young people today who are virtually um, bombarded from every direction uh, to get involved sexually, and one has to be very very careful when it comes to purity. Now, let me just say that purity begins in the heart and. Um, It's not just external uh, forces that are going to keep a person pure. It has to begin uh, internally. And the problem with drawing a line, by the way, uh, as far as how far we go, is that uh, after we've drawn the line, people try to see how close to the line they could get. And that's the danger of it. So you've got to have some kind of standards long before you start dating to decide uh, how to maintain your purity during this process. Let me make a few suggestions uh, to you. One of the things I would strongly suggest uh, to a person is that, as a believer, you need to get into the Word, get a daily diet in the Word. David said that, uh, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may not sin against thee. The antidote to temptation is often the the Word of God, and uh, a person will find it difficult to ma- ma- maintain a, a pure state unless they uh, are into the Word, uh, which will enable that person to fight against iniquity. Uh, and another thing would be your commitment to moral purity, biblical moral purity. Remember that the only form of sex that's approved by God is in the context of marriage. And you have to maintain that, that biblical commitment to, uh, to morality. Um, uh, sexual purity before marriage is virtually essential if you're going to have a successful marriage. i told people this, most marriages today are over before they even start. And the reason for that is uh, people who have been engaged sexually before marriage will find that after the marriage, if especially if they're believers, there's a tremendous amount of guilt. And remember that marriage is based on trust. And if a person has been unfaithful prior to marriage, what guarantee does anybody have that they'll remain faithful after marriage? So you have to guard your purity. And uh, remember that this is God's way. This is God's standard. The other thing I would suggest to you is to, to develop a real, genuine, authentic fear of God, a reverence for God. Uh, one can think of Joseph and his temptations in the book of Genesis. Uh, no man was more uh, plummeted uh, by, by temptation uh, than Joseph. But the thing that kept Joseph from going and breaking his, 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 uh, his commitment to purity... Was the fact what he told um, uh, Pharaoh's, Potiphar's wife. uh, He said, How can I do this great wickedness in the sight of God? Uh, Joseph clearly had a sense of divine fear, and that kept Joseph from crossing the border of purity and getting himself involved in iniquity. And then may I suggest you guard your eyes and your thought life. be careful what you watch, your television, your videos, your magazines, your books. Uh, these are things that can stir your emotions. And then also watch what you listen to, the type of music that you listen to. The ungodly music that we hear on the radio today is selling sex like uh, like people would sell uh, anything on the street, basically. This is a culture that uh, clearly is designed not to maintain purity but to completely destroy the sexual purity of our young people, and they keep bombarding them both by what they see and by what they hear, I would suggest you to watch that. And then watch where you go uh, on your day. Uh, watch um, what time uh, you, you go and wh- where you where you go with the, with the person. And also watch per- the person with whom you go. And uh, I would suggest you watch what you do, um, especially in the area of touching and caressing and, and necking and petting and getting involved in, in, in these different forms of... Uh, things that lead you into sexual immorality. So you've got to have to watch uh, those kind of things. And also, I would suggest to you, avoid situations in which you have to compromise your purity of your body. Uh, Just don't find yourself in those situations. Um, So I think if you would take the Bible seriously, if you commit yourself to biblical purity, if you would uh, develop this fear of God, uh, you watch your thought life and uh, what, you, what you what you hear, and uh, then you you also um, would uh, avoid situations that would put you in a compromising position. I think that should help you to safeguard your purity to a to, to great extent.
1: So, in essence, um, you're saying that Christians should put boundaries in place and be committed not to cross them when they are dating.
2: Of course, um, I think that uh, boundaries should be established. Uh, Before dating I think a person Should lay A proper foundation uh, Prior to going Through dating And if I may Suggest to you um, Some of the um, Principles that would Help to lay A good foundation One would be To to put Christ First in your life Always keep Christ first Um, Remember that God has a purpose For your life And a purpose For your partner's life And uh, one of the Surest ways of Realizing that Purpose in your life Is to keep Our Lord first In your life And uh, keep your life dedicated to Him. Uh, The Lord has promised to guide you. The Lord has promised to keep you. And He has told you that He will not withhold any good thing for them who walk uprightly. So make sure that Christ is first in your life. As I mentioned, make sure the Bible is your standard. Not what your peers tell you. Not what your friend tells you. Not what society tells you. Let the Bible be the standard. The Bible uh, is able to give you instructions Uh, about your life, how to live. It also has promises that you can depend on, and it has some very, very clear warnings in it uh, for you to avoid certain pitfalls. And then I would consider that uh, your your, your dating life, make it a part of your spiritual experience. Uh, Remember that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and remember you don't want to do anything to hurt your own spiritual life. And dating should be something that you should really pray about, be guided about, but um see it as a not just as a social experience and a social encounter. But uh have an umbrella um of spiritual experience. See it see it that way. And then set standards uh before you start dating. Let me suggest to you that once you fall in love, it's impossible to see clearly. So you've gotta make sure you set your standard before you fall in love with a person. Because once that moment happens and uh, the light goes out, darkness comes, you don't choose your socks when the dark is off, when the light is off. You always choose your socks before the before you turn the light out. So be very careful to set those standards before uh, you make a commitment uh, to the person. And I would say to you, another thing I would say is, is, is never compromise. Um, people don't compromise uh, their purity um, unless, first of all, uh, they give up a surrender the Christian principles. So be a person who who doesn't do that, and have a purpose when you are dating. Uh, have a plan. Don't just date and not too sure what you're going to do. Uh, try to establish what you're going to do when you're dating. Um, are you going to play games together? You're going to take a walk or right? hike. Uh, you're going to study together. You're going to go to church. You're going to deal with some hobbies. Uh, what what are you planning to do on your dating? Uh, Try to get that settled before you just decide to go on a date. Then you're not too sure what you're doing or what what the purpose of dating and that leads to to you doing, um, getting involved in things you shouldn't. And then uh, let me just make another suggestion. Make your friend win you. Don't throw yourself on your friend. Be a challenge to be one and uh, don't make yourself so common among the boys that you want to be popular. But you only become popular by being available. So you don't want that to happen. And uh, always uh, try to Keep the golden rule in order That is do unto others as you want others to do unto you Treat that girl like you want Somebody to treat your your sister Treat that young man The same way you want Somebody to treat your brother um, And remember that That young girl is somebody's uh, child Somebody's uh, um, daughter And uh, and you need to, to show respect In that regard So those are just some brief su- suggestions uh, As far as you're setting your standard Etc, etc
1: Okay, thank you Pastor Murphy, we have a question here from a listener, a WhatsApp question. Uh, Here it goes. Because the age of consent is now 16 years, what advice would you give to a single parent mother who has a 17-year-old daughter who feels that she can be involved with a young man two years older than her, even though the parent is advising her? She is not mature enough for such a relationship.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, clearly, um, you are the mother. You've assessed that she is not uh, mature enough to handle uh, date dating arrangement. Not only that, I notice that there's a disparity between her age and the young person, the young, young man who is nineteen years, and she's only seventeen. Uh, clearly, she's at a great disadvantage. Um, that is something that I think that you, if I if I were in your position as a, as, a, as a mom, and I felt that my son or daughter <clears throat> were not ready um, to date, I would sit down and have a very serious conversation uh, with my son and my daughter, or my daughter. Uh, I would um, try to give reasons why I don't think that this is the right time or the right person for that person to, to date. And um, I, as a parent, she's living under my roof, he's living under my roof, uh, she ought to be in a position where she is obedient to me until she's reached the age where she's probably 18 and uh, she could be on her own. But once she's in my home, I would put restrictions on on, on her uh, uh, dating the particular guy. Uh, I will try to convince her uh, the reasons uh, why this is so. But I think out of this, really, in truth and fact, the key to this whole thing is uh, your relationship with your daughter. I don't know your daughter. I don't know what kind of relationship you've got. I don't know if you you talk. I don't know if you're friends. I don't know if you waited this late and then to, to put restrictions. I don't have any idea what your own lifestyle is like. Um, is your lifestyle backing up what you're telling your daughter? Does she see contradictions in how you live? There are a lot of variables that I am not um, not familiar with. So, therefore, it's very, very hard to, to give a a can answer to this matter. But once you as a parent has convinced your daughter or your son is not mature enough to handle a dating situation, I think you have a right to, to insist that the relationship does not take place. And um, I do not know what penalties would be involved if the person violates um, the, the guidelines that you've given, uh, but there should be some kind of penalties. But I will not give in to my daughter or my son if I am of the view that they're not mature to handle the relationship, and I will not condone it, and I will not tolerate it, and I will not do anything at all to, to enable it. Um, I will resist it, and I will um, do whatever is required to keep the relationship, um, uh, to end the relationship, or or whatever. But um, if you're convinced that this is the case, yeah, um, I think your daughter should respect your judgment in this matter. Listen, there are a lot of sexual predators up there, a lot of guys that are just willing to take advantage of these young ladies. Um, it's a tragedy of immense proportion. Um, you only have to go on the streets of Antigua and, and, and just sit by and watch the guys as the young ladies pass by. And you will see there's one complete obsession. Uh, they are—they uh, don't even look at their faces so much as they look at their butts, basically. It's a, it's, a, it's a turbocharged sexual society where women are just objects. Uh, they're not viewed as persons who can be hurt and who can be destroyed. It's about self-gratification. Uh, a lot of these young men, that's all they're concerned about is, is uh, uh, gratifying themselves without any concern with the future of the young lady. And you as a mother, uh, you see it. Everybody sees it. I think you ought to do your utmost best to ensure your daughter doesn't get wrapped up in this kind of a relationship. If you need me to talk to your daughter, by the way, um, I'm always open to talk to uh, the young lady, uh, any, any young man that might need uh, counsel. Um, I would will be willing to help you if I can. I can't promise you miracles, but I would promise you that I could sit and chat with the person and see what I can do to help you in that regard.
1: Thank you very much, Pastor Murphy. And thanks to that listener for that question. Pastor Murphy, I don't know if I'm going off the topic, but you talk about sexually turbocharged and the society that we're living in and the young men, them, behave in such a way. But the way some of the young girls, them, dress today, it's so very revealing and tempting. So all that has to do with this... um to a child sexual society that we are living in.
2: It it is sad. I mean, it might seem as though I'm blaming one sector as opposed to the other, but uh, we've got a major problem both with the guys and the the young ladies. The society, since the revolution of the 60s, the sexual revolution, uh, we have not recovered from it. And as a matter of fact, the situation worsens every day. And now with the level of pornography that there is available, uh, free of cost, uh, that too is, is turbocharging. And then we have, as you said, so much nakedness um, on, on the streets. Uh, whether it be, um, you know, it's. There, there's more out. they more part of a woman outside these days than inside. You wonder exactly how they got into what they're wearing. Uh, it's an embarrassment for me as a man because uh, those kind of people don't attract me, I must tell you that. It, it, um, I'm always saying that you're selling something and what well, you're advertising. So that's those kind of things don't attract me. Uh, I, like to, the of uh, I, I like the element of suspicion. Uh, I like the element of I don't know too much about you. Basically, and the, the the thing of discovery. Uh, there's not much to discover these days. Uh, there's so much sh- uh, open um, shame shame. Um, Shame on the street that uh, it's almost an embarrassment, to be honest with you. So it's not just a female problem. It's a male problem as well. Uh, and, and women, I think, are not aware. Well, if they are aware, they are deliberately provoking um, um, the sexual lust of men by the way they dress. Uh, I don't have an answer for it. The only thing I can say is that it should stop in the church. The church should be the place where a lot of this ends. And we should have a different lifestyle, a different way of dressing. Uh, We should maintain our modesty as far as dress is concerned. But sad to say when you go into some churches uh, and you're sitting behind certain people, uh, you almost have to look in the air or look in your songbook because, again, you come into the church and the temptation is there because women don't seem to understand that men are moved by what they see. And that might be one of the grave faults because that may not be the, the, what moves them, touches what really appeals to women. But men are made different than, than, than women are, and women not to realize this.
1: If you have just joined us, we do appreciate you tuning our way. And the topic we are covering tonight is dating, courtship, and marriage. Should a Christian date a non-Christian?
2: That is one of the easiest questions we've had tonight because the answer is straightforward and very simple. Uh, a believer should never be involved in a dating relationship with an, a non-believer. Uh, the Bible is very, very clear on this matter. Uh, we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. and I mean, what what fellowship have a believer with a non-believer? What do they have in common? Uh, What are they having in common in regards to God's will, in regards to moral purity, in regards to Christian ethics, in regards to the extent of the kingdom of God? Uh, A a Christian uh, clearly is going outside the the, the pale and the parameters that God has set when they go beyond the Christian faith and those within the Christian faith to find uh, somebody to date outside uh, the church. Uh, Dating was never intended to be a missionary adventure, uh, you don't date in order to get somebody saved or to witness to somebody. That's not the intention of dating. Uh, so I think it's downright improper, unscriptural, unbiblical for a Christian uh, to to be dating uh, an unsafe person. Let me just say this: you eventually marry people that you date. Uh, so if you are dating, uh, generally speaking, the, the the intention ultimately is to find a partner for life. And a Christian should never marry uh, a non-Christian. Uh, That is a given in the Bible, only if she's only married in the Lord. Uh, So clearly, uh, the definitive answer to that question is that a believer should not be engaged in a dating relationship with an unbeliever.
1: Thank you, Pastor Murphy. Okay, during dating, what should they look for? My uh,
2: suggestion to people who are Christians who are going to date, let me um, offer some um, thoughts to you in this matter. First of all, I would think that if you're going to date, make sure you date somebody who you know is a believer and who you know loves the Lord. Now notice I said a believer and someone who loves the Lord. I'm not just talking about a person who makes a professional faith. It's more than that when it comes to this matter of dating. Uh, make sure that this person is very serious as a Christian and he's not just a person that is, is uh, talking but not walking the walk. Uh, another thing I would suggest, is: is this person active in church? Is he involved in any way in the ministry? Does he have any, any holy ambitions in terms of his service to the Lord? Uh, and what, um, what about the fact, I mean, if you're dating a person, does he have a good work ethic? Um, you know, Because, as I said, dating ultimately is designed to lead to some kind of choosing of a partner. So you need to be looking for these kind of things uh, within the person. Uh, does, he have, and he take his, does he take his education seriously? Uh, is he a guy on the block, a guy that has no interest in a future career? Uh, A a guy who is trying to win you slowly on how he looks and how he dresses. It takes more than that to make a marriage work, my friend. Uh, You're going to have to eat. You're going to have to have um, your your home, your house, your your property, um, a vehicle, uh, food on the table. So uh you have to find out is this person serious about their education and their future because how are you going to marry a person unless you're doing what I see a lot of women are doing today that the woman is the bread earner and the man is stays home we've got a complete reversal of roles today uh do you just want uh a, a, a mate is that what you want do you want somebody to to to, to, uh, to be able to to, uh, to give you security and take care of your home it depends on what you want Another thing I would suggest to you is uh, is this person a family man or family woman, as it were? Um, does he have a good, healthy relationship with his parents, with his family? You can guarant- I can guarantee you that if you go to a person's home or you get to know the person and the relationship between his mom and his dad uh, is below par and is be- between his siblings, there's this um, hostility. I can almost guarantee you that you're headed for disaster. Um, It's important to find out these kind of things. Uh, The other thing is, is he honest? Is he trustworthy? Is he dependable? And there are lots of things that you can do during the dating process to try to make that kind of assessment. And then what is his reputation in the community? Uh, What do people say about him? What does others say about him in that regard? I think that would be a a way of of trying to um, decipher whether or not this person is is uh, worthy of a dating relationship. And then another um, matter that I think is important is this. Is he possessive and domineering and controlling? Uh, Can you talk to other people? Uh, Is he suspicious and overly jealous? And if he sees you anywhere, he accuses you. If he is such a person, may I make a serious suggestion to you? Don't go any further in the relationship. You're headed to a situation where you are either going to be uh, abused, brutalized, manhandled, or you are going to live in a situation where uh, you are almost locked down uh, without any freedom and any liberty. I, I think that those are some of the suggestions I would make uh, that a person should really look for, Uh, Let me just repeat them again. Does the person know the Lord and love the Lord? Is this person active in church? Does he show any ambition in terms of a good work ethic? Uh, Is he serious about his education? Um, uh, Does he possess a domineering, um, controlling spirit? Uh, How does he relate to his own family? Is he honest? Is he trustworthy? What's his reputation as far as that? And the other thing I should have mentioned is, does he have any kind of a Christian ethic? Uh, what does he believe about purity and morality and, and marriage uh, et etc et etc? Try to ascertain those kind of things. The big mistake that a lot of people do is that listen when you are dating and you get into a physical relationship, the relationship is over. I repeat the relationship is over it now is purely physical and that 's not what dating is about. dating is for you to assess the person 's character the person 's uh um, Abilities, uh, see what are their opinions, judgments, etc., etc. It's not just about physical interaction. As much as you can, avoid any physicality between you and that person, because once that happens, um, it's a disaster for the relationship.
1: Pastor Murphy, we have another WhatsApp message from a listener here in Antigua. What advice would you give to a Christian? Who is dating a person from a different denomination slash religion, thinking that they can win them over to their denomination? Well, it hardly ever happens
2: that you can win a person over from another denomination or a different religion. First of all, I like to say this, if it's another religion, if a Christian, that's out altogether. Completely out. A Christian should not marry a Muslim, should not marry a Hindu, should not marry a Buddhist, uh, clearly, uh, a, that's outside the pale of Christianity. So there should be no uh, serious uh, marital relationship between a Christian and a non-Christian. Now, as far as denomination is concerned, this is something you, you that is on a, a different level now. This, you might be marrying within a denomination where the, the person is a believer. For example, Anabaptist. You've got Pentecost, you've got Lutherans, you've got Presbyterians, you've got the Nazarene, you've got the Pilgrim Holiness, you've got a variety of believers. Uh, What I think is important in this regard is, can you as a person uh, settle the whole matter of which church you're going to go to, what core doctrines you're going to hold to? Um, I personally uh, think that you should marry as close to your faith as possible. But I would not be exclusive that a, a Baptist, for example, should not marry a a, um, a Presbyterian, I should not marry a, a Pentecostal, etc. I wouldn't have a problem in that regard. My problem would be which church you're going to go to, uh, who is going to take the leadership in this regard. Generally speaking, women follow their husbands when it comes to church. It should never be that the man follow his wife. The man is supposed to be the leader. So that has to be established uh, clearly. But if there's going to be fiction... Uh, friction between uh, you and the person, and you're always debating on on doctrine, on issues, etc., etc., it's not conducive to a long-lasting relationship. You're going to find that it rolls over into your marriage and create discord within your family. You don't want that. And if you are convinced that what your church holds to is the correct doctrine, and your children are involved in this whole process, it can lead to horrific problems. Let me use an example. Take a Christian marrying... Uh, Seventh-day Adventists. There are tons of problems there, tons of problems. Which church you're going to go to, which day you're going to worship on, which doctrine you're going to hold to. Uh, so clearly you have a, a massive problem. Or take a Christian, even Marian, an uh, 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 independent Baptist or uh, evangelical Christian, Marian, a, a, a Catholic. You have horrific problems there uh, in terms of the Mass, what you believe about the Mass, praying to Mary. Um, Extreme unction, the seven sacraments, um, the the whole idea of images and all these kind of different issues. They they might seem insignificant now, but once you go into the relationship, it can be a burden to the relationship and lead uh, to division, disharmony. And what you want really is peace. God has called us to peace. So you want a peaceful relationship with your partner, and you don't want to have this ongoing debate and discussion and argument uh, and so on and so forth.
1: You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, beaming out the light and truth of God's Word. You're listening to That's Truth, and Pastor Murphy is here to answer your question. Pastor, we have a question. It's not pertaining to our topic tonight, but a listener from Antigua, has sent in this question. What happens right after a person dies? That's the question.
2: Uh, Maybe we can deal with this at another time in more more detail, but I'll try to give you a basic answer tonight from the Scriptures. Uh, When a person, well, it depends. Is the person saved? Is the person not a Christian? As far as a believer is concerned, when a believer dies, the the Bible makes it very clear that absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the moment of a person's death, the body goes to the grave, but the spirit goes to be with the Lord. And that's why uh, in the book of Thessalonians, it talks about when our Lord returns, uh, uh, he brings back the saints with him. And that's when the, the the spirit and the body will be reunited, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So it's a very, uh, very simple answer to that question is that when a Christian dies, he absent for the body, he goes to be with the Lord. Paul talks about that in the book of Corinthians, and that is fairly clear. Now, as far as the unsafe person is concerned, when a person who is not a believer dies, uh, he goes to what is called Hades. Uh, Hades, you find that in Luke chapter 16, uh, in connection with the rich man and and Lazarus who died. Uh, Clearly, Lazarus died, and he went to what is called Abraham's bosom. That's where the believers went prior to Christ's resurrection. And, of course, um, the rich man was found himself in the uh, separated part where in Hades proper where he was. Um, when our Lord was resurrected in the book of uh, Ephesians, it said that he took captive the captive. He took those who were in Abraham's bosom in Hades and took it to be with him. Uh, prior to his resurrection and his ascension to heaven, uh, the believers did go to that area in Hades called Abraham's bosom. So the believers have been removed from that area, according to um, um, Ephesians. Uh, But the unsaved person, he goes to be in Hades. Uh, Now remember in the book of Revelations, uh, Christ uh, has the key of death and of Hades. Uh, So clearly there's a day coming when those who are in Hades will stand before God and be judged, and then they will go into what is called Gehenna. But uh, according to Luke chapter 16, Uh, the unsafe person goes to Hades. And this is not a pleasant place. Read the book of Luke chapter 16, and you'll see clearly that this is a place of of torment. But it's a preamble to the final judgment and then the final Gehenna that the Bible talks about.
1: Thank you, Pastor Murphy. We are going to get back to our topic. And we have another question here from a listener, Pastor Murphy. I think you have dealt with it just slightly, but um, this person sent in the question, so is it ever wrong or unwise to date someone from another race or culture?
2: The the whole matter, of, uh, I'm glad that we've gotten beyond this. Uh, all of us know that America uh, became stigmatized because of the, the the racial problem in America, and there was a time when interracial dating was really looked down in America and it was a real social problem Uh, the situation in America is not perfect we all know that but there has been a significant change in this regard where people have now begun to realize that we're all made in the image of God we're all human beings we all need to make our own personal decisions etc etc and I think that generally speaking globally uh, the whole trend has changed towards the attitude towards interracial dating and interracial marriage however uh let me i am i am a product of interracial marriage interracial uh, my mom was black my dad was white uh, so i'm a, i'm a mulatto basically a mix uh i've done the same thing in my own marriage uh, my i am i am mulatto my wife is well you co- what you consider her to be black so uh, i understand this whole whole problem but i would suggest to you that it may not be as easy as it songs i think a lot has to do with where you are going to live And can you handle the pressure of um, people saying things and looking at you a certain way and treating you a certain way because you happen to be interracially married? In the Caribbean, it's not so much a problem. Uh, Don't think that there's not a problem. There is a problem sometimes. Um, I face it. Other people I know have faced it as well. Uh, So it's not not as though that we in the Caribbean have have, uh, totally gotten over this whole thing as yet. But I think there is no biblical basis for anybody who in love with each other, whether it be pink, blue, black, or green, and uh, feel that you can make this marriage work, and you're committed to a lifelong, permanent relationship of marriage. There is no biblical grounds to prevent that. But that does not fully answer the question. Can your children of that product, can they handle the, 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 the environment in which they're going to be brought up in? Uh, they're going to get racial slurs Um, against them? Can can they handle that? Do you you want that for your kids? If that situation does not pertain, well, I I don't see any any problem. But I don't... Biblically, there's no grounds for anybody um, in terms of um, refusing to marry another person of a different race, isn't it? Look, there's one race. It's called the human race. We just have to be different. Uh, And very, very clearly that... (laughs) We're all made in the image of God. We all have equal value. So that should not be a problem. But, but society, depending on which part of the world you're living, still got these um, historical social hang-ups and racial hang-ups that creates a problem. Not so much for you and your partner, but also for the kids that may come after that. So I think that's a decision between the two people to seriously sit down and, and, and weigh the consequences and uh, not only look upon it in, in relation to themselves, but also in relation to their offspring. But generally within the Caribbean, I don't see any problem with it. Other parts of the world, I don't know what it's like in Europe, uh, in America. I know it's, it's pretty much changing radically in that regard. As a matter of fact, a lot of these basketball players, look at, <laughs> look at their, their wives –
1: Pastor Murphy, our listeners are really getting involved in our topic tonight. We have another question here from a listener. Is it ever okay for a mature believer to date a new believer? What warnings would you give in this situation? Uh,
2: it's tough to, to give a definitive answer, uh, either yes or no. I think it depends on the situation. I also think it depends on the individuals. I think it depends on the, the attitude of the people in the church, how they view it. I think um, how your pastor views it, I think that's important. Uh, no man lives unto himself. We should all be concerned that whatever we do is not offensive to other people. But personally, I don't think it's, it's wrong for a, a mature person to date an immature person. Uh as a matter of fact, iron sharpens iron and I think that in in some ways you may be able to lift that person to a level of, of maturity. But the the, the the danger there is that you are at one standard and the other person not uh, at another standard and uh who is the stronger? Now you might be mature spiritually, but are you mature? Socially are you mature morally are you mature physically, et etc et etc? are you mature emotionally as, as well? You can be spiritually mature and you might find that emotionally that you find your identity in who you date and there are a lot of people who have a warp concept of their identity and um, they don 't think they 're attractive they don 't think that they 're pretty they don 't think that they 're shapely they don 't think that they have a good personality. And their identity is more in in, in trying to get affirmation in these different areas of their life. And that sometimes, even though they're spiritually mature in terms of knowing Scripture, uh, maybe even their their thoughts about God, but that can be very, very dangerous uh, depending on how mature you are, not only spiritually, but are you mature emotionally as a person. So there are a lot of factors that are involved, but generally speaking... There can't be anybody faulted uh, on that in that matter because the person's a believer, you're a believer. And dating, by the way, is getting, getting to know a person first, uh, becoming friends first. It's not though you're dating the person with the intention of marrying the person. That should never be the original intention. You're trying to assess and evaluate the person you're dating to see if we can go into a more serious relationship. But be, be very careful in that regard uh, and make sure that you are mature emotionally and spiritually as well. Uh, so that you may not be led down a path that you can regret.
1: Pastor Murphy, another um, WhatsApp question here. Are you ready for this one? Are you saying a SDA, that is a Seventh-day Adventist, is not a Christian?
2: Well, let me put it this way. Uh, The Seventh-day Adventist church has changed radically. Um, If you were to read some of the earlier books, you'll find that they have reinterpreted a lot of different Um, Of their writings, Um, depending on which Seventh-day group you're talking about and which individual person that you're talking about. There are some Seventh-day Adventists who almost put Ellen G. White on par with Scripture. As a matter of fact, a lot of the references, cross-references in their Bible are a lot of references to Ellen G. White. Personally, I don't think Ellen G. White was a prophet. Um, That's a matter I can debate any time, and I can have a whole entire program on that. I can show that Ellen G. White was a plagiarist, And what I mean by that, a lot of the books that she wrote, uh, she actually copied directly from other writers and never gave them credit claiming that she had received visions from God. That is called intellectual dishonesty, and there's no doubt about that. Um, Those of you who doubt what I'm saying, go online and purchase a book called The White Lie, and you'll see her writings in one column and where she got them from. Uh, So it depends on who you're talking to. And I don't know, some Seventh Adventists have moved towards Christianity, and uh, their belief about atonement and so on have changed over the years. If a person who is a Seventh Adventist is depending on keeping the Sabbath to get into heaven, they're not a Christian. Simple as that. Simple as that. If If you are depending on anything outside the atoning blood of Christ and the vicarious death of Christ and his propitiatory sacrifice to get you to heaven, you're not a Christian. Nobody gets to heaven by keeping a day. Okay? And nobody gets to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments. We get to heaven by our faith in Jesus Christ and the work that He did for us. It's on that basis alone that we are acceptable before God. So I don't know if you're a Seventh day Adventist and you believe in the atoning death of Christ, the propitiatory work of Christ. Well, sir, I'm not going to argue with you that you're a Christian. But if you're depending on the Sabbath, if you depend on keeping the, the Ten Commandments to get you to heaven, I will say to you very boldly and very clearly that you have no lot in this matter. You're simply not a believer. So you have to define what, who is Seventh-day Adventist I'm talking to. Am I talking to one who's depending on the Sabbath and depending on the Ten Commandments to get to heaven? Or am I talking to one who's depending completely and solely on the vicarious death of Christ and His propitiatory sacrifice? So to answer that question, it all depends on which Seventh-day Adventist you're talking to.
1: Thanks, Pastor Murphy. Okay, as we uh, come into the end of our program tonight, as we've been talking on Dating and courtship. I don't think we're able to get into the subject of marriage tonight, Pastor Murphy. But the question is, what do you do during dating?
2: I'm glad you asked that question because, as I said before, part of the reason why people get into trouble when they go dating because they don't have any plan. They don't know where they're going to do. It's, it's just a, a social occasion, but there's not no pre-planned um, activity that they, you know, etc. Let me make some helpful suggestion to you you know look you could do so many different things on dating and to be very 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 creative in your dating you could do some in you can you could have a date where you do some indoor games or you do some outdoor games you can have a date when you go shopping window shopping with each other in, in down in the city you can go dating where you take a nice walk maybe on the beach be very careful how far you go where you go and make sure people are there uh, you can work on a project together uh maybe a project for the church together a project at home Uh, a school project. You can go on a hike. Um, You could make a video uh, together as a couple. Uh, You can look at family albums, view pictures, etc., etc. You could take a nice bus ride. Uh, Just take a ride that goes from one part of Antigua to the other part, um, Pleasant Drive. You can have dinner and lunch together. Uh, You can sing and rehearse together, maybe a special song. There's a picnic you can go on. Uh, You can do group dating, you can go over to a friend's house. Don't be very, very careful that when you go to a friend's house that some person is there, either the mom or the dad is there. Uh, you should not go to a friend's house when a responsible adult is not there. You can work on a hobby. Maybe you like electronics or maybe she likes painting or whatever. You can do that. Uh, you can visit each other's home. And I would encourage you to visit each other's, other's home. See the, the condition of the home. Uh, when you come to visit her, How what's the state of the home? Is she, is she a, a home? keeper her et, clear, etc. Go to church together, do homework together, watch a movie together. There's so much you can do.
1: Pastor Just a I'm sorry, but we have run out of time. We've gone over time, but we want to thank our listeners very much for participating in the program tonight. We certainly do appreciate you getting involved in the program. So goodbye and do have a pleasant evening.